one all right recording welcome ladies and gentlemen to another episode of the culture shock i am here today i am your host seth mckendry and i am here today with a fellow woodworker and someone who was the host to one of one of the coolest field trips I've ever been a part of. <laughs> and I'm probably never gonna forget that. Uh this is George, ladies and gentlemen. Hey, what's up? Uh culture shock people. Hey, my, <laughs> by the way, that's a great name, man. Appreciate yeah. it. I was mulling over it for a month. <laughs> Just ah, trying to find it. the right name. Uh, I'm surprised it wasn't taken. Yeah, I'm surprised it, it wasn't taken either. Uh, cool. Cool, cool. So, uh... Have you as, talked about woodworking on the podcast before? No, this is the first time, actually, oh, I've okay. talk, talked about woodworking. Do people know you as a woodworker? Uh, believe it or not, no. I mean... I've posted some some stuff here and there on social media about it, but I haven't posted very much because uh, most of the time, you know, you know, when you're in the wood shop, you're not in there to be on your phone. You're in there to get stuff done. Right. So yeah, that'd be uh, the last time. That's why you know I'm not on my phone much and exactly. doing the whole Instagram thing and you know all right. that stuff when wow. i'm in the shop because i'm in the shop to get work done and i'm not there to dilly dally okay. you know okay uh, hey but you take good pictures next to your finished work i mean you can at least do do that right and i've taken a few pictures of like um, progress shots of uh, yeah. my work yeah because i'm working on a table right now uh, mm -hmm. we did the maloof table uh, i already took i was working on that earlier today Oh, really? Because uh, I was working on, like, sanding down some parts and, like, oiling it and everything. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. And I'm also, I showed you that other table, didn't I? Oh, uh, the other table. Shoot. Man, if you did, I apologize, man. My memory <laughs> is uh, scattered and thin. Yeah. I, uh, what table? The coffee table. Coffee table. Oh, God. What was the shape? It was, uh, dang, let me see if I can pull it up, but, um, it was, it was a coffee table that had glass in the middle of it, like, I cut a whole piece out in the middle, it was glass? made out of oak. Okay, I can, mm. you say glass, and I think I would picture it if I saw it, so chances are. This one right here? Oh, okay, okay, cool. Cool, man. Where is that now? It's in the uh, Sanderson Woodshop. It's in okay. one of the finishing rooms, just getting heated so it can cure. Okay. Because okay. I put oil on the top and the bottom of the yeah. uh, the top part. Yeah, yeah. That takes a long time to dry or to cure. Right? Yeah, it takes. Yeah. Plus, it's in a 85-degree room, so mm, it's going nice. to... Okay. That you from what I pitch? heard, that will help out a lot. Yeah. Where's it gonna go? It's gonna go 
with me to Arizona. Same with that Maloof table, uh-huh. except for I'm going to leave that Maloof table back for a little while uh-huh. and then come uh-huh. back for it because I can't bring everything. Okay. What's up with Arizona? Uh, <laughs> what I'm doing is I'm going after I graduate. Uh-huh. I'm going to move to Arizona and then go to Scottsdale Community College for film, oh. film and media production and also... Oh theater uh, i think it's called theater makeup effects or something like that i think that's how they classify it but i'm gonna go for two years Uh uh-huh what'd you say uh two years scottsdale junior college uh yeah the community college okay Okay. Uh, oh man that's awesome for two years uh-huh. And then after those two, since I'm going to go to college for four years and get a bachelor's uh-huh. degree in film, well, at least I'm going to try. Um, okay. I'm going to go for two years, and then after that, I'm going to transfer to Arizona State mm-hmm. and then finish out my time in college there. Uh-huh. That's Phoenix, right? Yeah. Okay. Actually, I think it's in Tempe. Tempe? It might be, because that's... Yeah. Uh, that's where I'm going to be living. So it's the closest oh, to where I'm going to be. You have family there or friends? Yeah. Or... I, uh, two of my brothers and my sister-in-law lives there. Oh, so, man. I'm excited for you. And also, okay. Yeah. Oh, continue. I didn't mean to cut you off. No, it makes me think of um, Callius and West. Are you familiar? Uh, I've heard the name. Okay. Great. Great content for for whatever film you want to make. Um, it was made by it was like a design campus, mm-hmm. um, made by Frank Lloyd Wright, whose mm-hmm. work is like more known in the East Coast. Culture shock. Yeah, man. Come on. Because normally what I do is yeah. I take the raw video file. I get two yeah. video files. Yeah. I get two video files and an audio file. Uh, I look at the two video files, and whichever yeah. video file is like looks better quality wise. Yeah, I take that raw audio file and I upload it. I do no editing whatsoever. But then Ooh. I talked to a few people, and they said yeah. that some of the podcasts were yeah. there was a lot of points where there was just dead silence. Uh huh. So they said, "What you need to do." You need to trim that down I see. because of those dead silent spots. Okay. Okay. Yeah, you don't want that that silent part, right? I get it. Hey, um, I'm say like this silent part right here, huh? <laughs> <laughs> Very cool. So when do you leave to Arizona? Uh I'm looking to leave maybe in July. All right, that's coming up quick. Yeah, because I'm going to enroll as soon as I can and make sure to get out there before, like, the school year starts so I can make sure to get all situated and everything. All right. Cool, man. Good luck to you. Um, I I hope, you know, I make my way out there. I want to remember you and even holler. Like, hey, what's up, Seth? It's George. Remember me? I'm going out to visit my I'm going out to visit my cousins in Chandler, Phoenix, you know? 
Mm-hmm. We're going to go see spring training, you know, the Dodgers, because that's one of my things right now. Um, and then I'm going to look you up. And what I'll make sure to do is uh, what I'm going to do after that whole film school thing. Yeah. Is there is a professional wrestling school about an hour away from where I'm going to live. No way. So I'm going to do that. I'm going to learn how to wrestle and also have a couple yeah. of jobs by, yeah. like, by then so I can have like a, kind of a financial blanket if to say. So I can you're gonna, do like, yeah. You're going to wrestle professionally? Yeah. Dude, I thought you already know how to wrestle though. Yeah, I know how to wrestle amateurly, but this is, uh-huh. this is different. Okay. It's, is this... Uh, WWF style? Yeah. I love it. It's like the stuff you see on TV. And transitioning to uh, the stuff you see on TV, about an hour and 40 minutes away from where I'm going to live, there is a small uh, wrestling promotion in Arizona that has, I think it's called a closed circuit television show. Okay. Where it is locally in Arizona. Oh, dude. That's like Monkey Wrench production right there. I like it. Gorilla style. Sweet. And I found out that the admission, when they start, when if the world gets back to normal and they allow people in to the yeah. arena or yeah. the warehouse, yeah, uh, it's free admission. So, Oh, man. Okay. I'll, if uh, sure. I'll make sure to hit a few people up and try to make sure they can make their way out. <laughs> sure, man. We'll stay in touch. Yep. And okay, going back to to wood chop. Oh yeah. Woodworking. <laughs> we we kind of went off a little bit, but uh, going back to woodworking. So, how did you get started in woodworking? Couldn't make it as a wrestler. What? So I got into woodwork. <laughs> uh, let's see. It was something I've always done, you know, like there was always a little project for me to do at home. Um, I might have been trying to like, I don't know, like hide from my brother, stay busy or whatever. And then I would just build stuff. So it was always my thing. And then uh, when I started to, I guess, need furniture, like I was speaking of college, going away to college. I was broke college kid. Yeah. So I was 20 and I had like a college apartment with college furniture. And I'm like, this is lame. And that's when I started making my own furniture when I was like 20. Yeah. Simple stuff. You know, like what you're doing now. Oh, man. Uh, Leaps and bounds, you know, from what I was doing when I was even older than you. So, So it's cool what you're doing, man. I'm impressed. I appreciate it. How I got started in woodworking was, uh, well, this kind of doesn't count as woodworking, but Mm -hmm. I was like maybe, uh, I'd say 11 years old. And it was one of those, you know, those uh, like build your own, like wooden Christmas trees, like the small, like maybe not even a foot tall, like situations. That you can right. like spray paint and everything. 
Okay, like you're just like crisscrossing. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're just like crisscross cuts, and you just got to put them together, and it would right. stand on its own. Yeah. I don't know if that counts as woodworking, but it that counts. was the first kind of technical woodworking project I had made. It counts as a good first one. And, yeah. like, I spray-painted it green and, like, made it into a whole – I made, like, a little wooden Christmas tree. I don't know if I have pictures of it, but if yeah. I do, I'll make sure to, like, edit it in and, like – And make sure. So what was that, like, school or, uh, or like, Boy Scouts or something or what? That was just a little side project I did with my grandpa because oh, we were just God. bored one day in the garage. And yes. we were like – he was like, you want to build a Christmas tree? And I was like, sure. Why not? So – that's. Good grandpa right there, man. So we did. And then uh, I was in ninth grade. And no, it was eighth grade, and they were having me choose my classes. And uh, I was talking. I saw Woodshop. Yeah, that's what it's called, Woodshop. So I saw Woodshop, and I was like, oh, that seems cool, right? Because I... I mean, I know it's not like how you see in the movies and stuff, but from what I've seen, it's always kind of fascinated me. Like, cause I'm all, I'm a hands-on type person Yeah. to where yeah. like, if I can't like touch it and like work with it with my hands, then yeah. it's not going to end up working. I totally relate. Yeah. Right. So I'm more of a hands-on guy than like a, tell me how to do it. You know, you can tell me how to do it. And then show me how to do it, and I'll do it. Yeah, yeah. So, but that's when you're really learning is when you're doing it. Yeah, is when once yeah. you make that first cut on the bandsaw, you know how to do, you know how to do it to make sure you don't cut your finger off. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, you got to be super careful, super alert, super focused. Yeah, it keeps you on your toes for sure. There's no relaxing. You know, yeah, relax you can't later, right? Yeah. yeah. It, yeah. the relaxing comes when like you're sanding or like you're coating yeah. or something you yeah. can't be working on a huge uh bandsaw being all tired from the night before you know what i mean right totally. you can't you got to yeah. be super like on your feet yeah not just like not tired but you can't be like pissed off you can't be sad you gotta like just be like legit zen yeah, you, know, you got to go. You know? You got to be ready for anything. And yeah. uh so my first woodshop project was a fish that I I brought I found it, but I also brought it back to the woodshop because uh -huh. I need to make a stand for it. Like I need to drill a hole in the back of it and put a stick in it okay. and then make a stand. That's funny. I keep hearing about fishes in woodshop. I'm like, "Okay, I guess it's a thing." Because that's our that was our first uh, since we were all in ninth grade we, uh -huh. we weren't we weren't allowed to do all the you know high for our first project we were gonna do something easy yeah so we said you can either make a fish or a bird okay and I was like okay I'll do a fish then mm -hmm. so I did it go cool fish uh huh what kind of wood did you use I think I used oak. I use oak for a lot of my project. I've I've noticed that. Okay, okay. Um, did you see the fish? I don't know what it is. It's got like eight fish on it, made by the Maloof woodworker. I've 
I've seen it, but I can't tell you what the name of it is. Because uh, it's on the tip of my tongue, but I can't. Yeah. But this is why I'm like, wow, fish is a thing. Like, even yeah. the <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. But it was made out of walnut. And you can even see, like, the back fin in motion, right? And there's, like, mm-hmm. eight fish just, like, rushing, rushing by, right? They're all on sticks, right? On this, like, little you know, thing you could put on your mantle or something, mm-hmm. you know? And you have, like, a small school of fish just, like, zipping by. And they're made out of walnut, you know? You know, Maloof loves walnut. Yeah, I, I've so, noticed that. <laughs> and so, because, I mean, you can you can sand that real fine, you know, steel wool it, and it has, like, fire grain, you know? Sometimes that walnut is just crazy, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So let's talk about, since we're already talking about the Maloof Foundation, let's yeah. talk about that three-day trip. Oh, man. And so how it was proposed to me yeah. was my wood shop teacher. I know he's going to listen to this because he told me he's going to. He's the one, he's the one that helped. He's the one that helped me with the notes. <laughs> He's a good dude, man. He's a good dude. I'm so impressed by him, and I'm so happy for you that you get to have a teacher. I, I, I totally, you know, recognize him as a teacher. He's not just a woodshop teacher. He's a, he's a teacher, man, who cares a lot about his students and their overall learning experience and makes sure that you guys are actually writing. Because when you're writing, it elevates your learning so much, man. So... Bravo to you and your teacher. How I found out, how I found out about yeah. uh, the Maloof uh, situation, the field trip, was I was working on my table, and then Castillo, uh, he walked up to me. He was like, "I want you to go on this trip, right? Yeah. So we're gonna yeah. work on the paperwork." I yeah. was like, "Okay, I." Yeah. At that point, I really kind of didn't know what he was talking about. It was, I mean, I understood it, but I, like, it wasn't really explained yet. Okay. That didn't come until a few days later when he was, like, when we were all in class and then he explained it. But at first, he was like, you're going to go with me on this field trip and we're going to make a table. And we're going to do it in three days, which seems preposterous. But... We're doing it in three right. days. Right. And we're going to start on the paperwork. And then we did. I was like, okay, right. cool. Okay. And then I was in class the next day. And this was a when? This was a Thursday. Uh-huh. So we were all in class. And he said, he was like, I need some kids to go on this uh, field trip to the Malou Foundation. And we're going to be making a end table in three days and did you show you a picture of it huh yeah did he you did show you a yeah yeah he he showed he was like you're gonna be making this table and it's insane okay. that we're gonna be doing it in three days but we're gonna end up getting it done in three days wow okay and he was like okay here's what you're gonna do we're gonna go yeah. And we're going to start out by sanding, which is a little weird for us because we've never started out a project by sanding. 
I think I remember you saying that when that was happening. Yeah, that and was I'm the like, first time we've ever yeah. started a project by sanding. <laughs> because we normally start by like cutting out, you know, the templates and everything. Yeah. And then we sand like near the end of it or whenever it's needed. Uh huh. But okay, so we he was like, "All right, you need to be at the school by six forty by six fifty. So I got there at six forty, right? Yeah. I was like, "Okay, I'm here." And then he was like, "Okay, let's go. Let's get this stuff. We're gonna go." So we got there. And then, you know, I met you, Dennis, John, and Joan, and like all the rest mm -hmm. of the guys. Mm -hmm. And then we did our introductions and everything. And mm -hmm. we started, we ended up starting out by sanding the doubler, which right. of all the pieces, <laughs> not just the doubler. <laughs> no one sees the doubler, but yeah, that's what you started with. That's right. And then we, uh, Later on, we ended up cutting out the center for, like, the middle piece. Like, we cut off the sides to make it all curved. Yeah. And then right. we cut the legs. And then we once right. we start, once we cut the top, I was like, yeah. No, we were, it was before then. We were choosing the, uh, the three pieces of wood. Yeah. And I particularly got lucky with uh, mm. the wood that was set on my table. Because uh -huh. the centerpiece just looked like one of the pieces that ended up being the centerpiece looked great. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Love it when things like that happen. Yeah. yeah. And Dennis, I remember Dennis told us, he was like, you're going to set this in place and you're going to just play around with it and like uh -huh. see which one like looks better to you. Yeah. I love so, that part. Yeah. I love that part. Yeah. Once I saw yeah. that piece, I was like, mm -hmm. yeah, this is going in the middle. Because at mm -hmm. first, since I listened to a band named Tool. and Love Tool. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they, they make great music. Yeah. <laughs> and once yeah. I saw that, uh, that middle piece, so yeah. Tool's artwork is done by a... Uh, a artist by the name of Alex Gray. Okay. And he makes like all these like psychedelic type designs for their artwork for, yeah, for like their album covers and stuff. Mm -hmm. So you seen how that middle piece, it looked like it was swirling out. Yeah. How it looked like it was like bursting out and everything that yeah. made me think that immediately made me think of a Tool album cover, how Dude. it looks like it's spiraling out. Yeah, nice. I was like, that's going to be a sick middle piece. It's going to be perfect for that top. Yeah. Especially with all the, with the piece that was right next to it, how it just flowed. Yeah. They're all different. And so I'm like, man, where is it? Show us right now your tabletop. Or is it not within reach? Uh... It is now in, it's still at uh, San Jacinto's Woodshop. Oh, yeah? I think I have a picture of it, though. Let me. Okay. Hey, don't let them sell it. It's yours. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep it. 
I'm, I'm taking that with me. <laughs> a nice piece, man. Yeah. Photos and videos. So, at what point did you believe you were going to finish it in three days? Uh, once we got to the middle of that second day. Oh, I you were still in disbelief until then. Huh? You were like still not believing you were going to finish this? Yeah, I didn't think or that like I was going to get that done. Uh, yeah, uh -huh. I didn't. I didn't think I was. Okay. Normally, I don't know why, but it always happens when I do a witch out project. So, okay. For some reason, something goes wrong. Like I either cut something oh, the wrong way, and something doesn't fit to oh. where I have to like you know take extra time out and try to fix it. That's I don't right. know why, but it always happens. Um, count on it, man. Yeah, it's always going to keep happening too. That's woodworking. But I found out that I have a video of the uh, tabletop. Yep. Here it is. I don't okay. Know really yeah, I see, um, I see the center of that centerpiece. That's right. It's wicked. I, I mean, I know it kind of... A little too bright. Video over video is... Yeah. yeah. Well, I believe you, man. I believe you. I'm happy that you're happy with that that center part, especially. Yeah, I'm really with. I'm really Did happy. Did it change your out. mood when? Yeah, like, mm -hmm. did it change your mood when? Oh, did you, the audio cut out for a second, but I can oh. I can still hear you. I was I was wondering if like it changed your mood when you knew you were going to be able to finish it. it. Yeah, it did tremendously. I was like, oh, okay, cool. I'm actually going to be able to finish this. The, this uh -huh. is awesome. <laughs> oh man, that's good to know. That's good to know. I mean, as as far as like a facilitator, you know, in the, in the shop, um, I know there's a lot for me to get to know. So I, I totally appreciate being able to, you know hear your experience so so what else what else happened that you remember uh, taking away <laughs> i remember uh when joan when like we first got introduced to joan and then he told us he did that presentation mm -hmm. of uh all his stop stop motion mm -hmm. animation and yeah. all that stuff that i thought was really cool in his drawings and I, oh. after that, I went up and asked him about oh. um, the, uh, about if he ever drew something that someone got tattooed. Oh, yeah. And he said that he never has, but oh. it got really close once. Okay. And I'm looking, since I already wrote down some questions for Joan, I'm yeah. trying, I'm going to try to see if I can. To see uh -huh. if like scheduling works out, so uh -huh. I can get him on this show, and then we can yeah. you know talk about the three day trip and everything. And this is the first yeah. time yeah. on this podcast that yeah. I've actually talked about me being a woodshop student and uh -huh. like just woodworking in general. Yeah, interesting. Do you have tattoos? Uh, no, but. I have several plants for tattoos. <laughs> <laughs> I was wondering why you brought that up. Yeah. All right. My dad is a former tattoo artist. Oh, wow. 
like I grew up watching him tattoo people in the garage and yeah. like I read his tattoo magazines uh-huh. and I, I have a few of them here, but I'm, uh-huh. I'll, I'll pull that out later. But uh, like when I needed something to read, he was like, here, read this. So I, I just, I'd take his tattoo magazines and then yeah. I just like look through the pages and see how cool all the tattoos were and how yeah. different each one of them was and how like the artwork made each one of them like pop out. Yeah. You can tell a good tattoo from a bad tattoo. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh. And it depends. You can, I can also tell, well, if you look at a tattoo, you can also tell if the artist was very light handed or if the artist was very heavy handed. Yeah. Because how you can tell that is if the tattoo lines are like very light and Mm -hmm. they're light, but you can still see them Uh and they look good. Uh That's how you can tell you're dealing with a light handed artist. Mm. But if it's, if it's a very heavy handed artist, the lines are a lot thicker and a lot darker. Wow. Uh, while you're describing that, I'm kind of relating and it that. it hurts a lot more. <laughs> Yeah, no, no. I'm kind of relating that to woodworking. Do, do you see that too? Like the light handed and the heavy handed woodworker? Yeah. Since I've been around like tattoo machines and seeing people do that. Also yeah. seeing people work on like if they're like turning something on the bandsaw, I can see if they're uh-huh. like being real light with it and being real uh being light and careful with it or being real yeah. rough and like you know right. turning into it and trying to make sure that it because if they turn it real hard and they're like holding Forcing. it real tight yeah just gonna like you know shoot yeah. across the shop uh uh-huh it might hit you too yeah because <laughs> that reminds me uh one time <laughs> <laughs> One time, uh, so I was working on my fish, like I was uh, working on the tail, and yeah, and uh, it was on the spindle sander. I was uh, turning it right. Uh-huh. And apparently, like it, it got away from me and shot across the shop. <laughs> from the spindle sander, I'm, I'm surprised. Because wasn't the router? Yeah, surprisingly, it wasn't the router. Uh, huh. But what what also happened was I was working on that, and when it shot across the shop, yeah. my hand turned into it, and I ended up punching the spindle sander. Ouch! And yeah, yeah that hurt. <laughs> oh yeah. And then the the mm-hmm. fish shot across the shop, and Blind like. And the whole the whole class just came to a stop and looked at me, and I was like, "I didn't do anything." Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. turned off the machine, ran, and got my project, and went back in. Wow, man! Um, shop safety—that's yeah, that's, that's something. That's something. Do they have like zones where you, where people need to be careful when they walk? Because flying fish might, like, slap them in the face? Yeah, they got safety zones. Okay, good. I'm I mean, 
there there hasn't been a flying fish since my freshman year. But okay, uh, freshman yeah. year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can tell that's a total freshman move too. <laughs> yeah, that's have you so- had have you had a piece like maybe on a router table, right? Like come back and hit you in the gut. No, but I've heard horror stories about that. Yeah, it's happened a couple times. There was another time where you know from the router table, it didn't hit me in the gut, but it flew across the garage and, just- and it pierced the hole in the wall. Really? Yeah. Yeah. So, danger zone, man. Yeah. And uh, so, since we were talking about the router, uh, the only thing I've ever had happen on the router is I've had tear out happen on the router when I was... All the time, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. but, like, this tear out was so bad, it, like, Uh tore a line through it and like burnt the entire like piece of wood wow it was just yeah it was and it didn't shoot across the shop or anything but it was just so i had to yeah yeah and what's the most dangerous tool or machine in the shop that i have experienced or, or that I've dealt with, or just in general. Uh, in general, uh, I'd have to, I'd have to say, um, either the uh, the radio radio arm saw, the band saw, or a yeah. The, that's the radio arm saw where you do the cross cuts, right? Yeah, right. You're pulling it. Maybe you're chopping it down, but it's got yeah. an arm that travels like a whole foot or so. Because yeah, right? uh, I've used the, both the chopping down and the radio and the one where you pull it forward. Yeah, those that and the bandsaw have to be yeah. like the two most dangerous things in the shop because yeah. you never know. Something goes wrong and might lose a finger. I know, I know. You know that's how Sam lost his his tip of his finger, the bandsaw. He did. Yeah. Um, you know that question was the question that Dennis asked me. Did he ask you that? Like, what's the, the what's the most dangerous tool or machine in the shop? Uh, no, he did not. He didn't he ask. Didn't? He didn't <laughs> ask us that. I really think it's a good question. Um, I think I remember the answer, but I could be wrong. But I think like his question really like led me into really consider that. Mm. But like um, immediately my, I think my answer was the bandsaw. You know, cause it seems like you're handling it. And then all of a sudden, like the blade is there. You're like, oh yeah. damn, I almost didn't see that. And you're so close to, your hands are so close to the blade. So right. you never right. know. You, right. you might not be watching your thumb one day and you'd be half a thumb, you know? Totally. So I think his answer was whatever machine you're using at the moment. Oh, that's, that's a good answer. I think so too. That Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Because even the spindle sander, 
I mean, who would think that's dangerous? But I almost hurt myself on a spindle sander too. I've hurt myself on the spindle sandal, spindle, spindle sander, <laughs> so I know. Yeah, I, I know. <laughs> yeah, but it luckily looks it was only a so, knuckle. But yeah, right. But it looks so friendly. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> right. There's no blade. It's round. You know, cushiony. Got got the sandpaper. Like nothing could go wrong. Right. But you never know. You might end up socking a spindle sander one day. Whatever tool you're using at the time. Yeah. So as we continue, I met you at the Malou Foundation. How we, we talked about how we got started in woodworking. And we talked about, the, let's talk about how that three-day trip went down. All right. So we got there. And you introduced yourself, and then uh, I can't remember exactly what we talked about as we were walking mm -hmm. to the shop. Yeah. But once we got to the shop, we got introduced to Dennis, and then we started out sanding on the doubler. Yeah. It's and then we had... Critical doubler. Yeah. <laughs> That's we had a critical piece, isn't it? It really is to keep it all together. Yeah. <laughs> we um Yeah. I mean the double is what lets you finish it in three days, in three short days. You know, yeah. like at the end, you're like drilling the doubler into the legs and then drilling the doubler into the tabletop and like boom, you're done. So critical piece right there. Anyway, sorry to Yeah, it, it's all right. You're my guest, so you can go right ahead. <laughs> And then we uh, we went to we got the legs and we didn't start. I don't think no. We started cutting the legs the first day. I think we might have started cutting legs the oh, first yeah. day. Yeah, because I remember we started like we didn't start drawing out the top until maybe the la maybe this middle or ending of the second day. When like we drew out the top and then we finally cut it out, yeah. And I remember mine was a little bit off by like an eighth of an inch. Mm -hmm. you oh no, no, that was that wasn't because of it. It's because we were, uh, me and John were routing. Yeah, and actually, that's happened twice, where I was, um, I was working on the center. And I, I used the radial arm saw to cut it down. Yeah. And it got caught and like flew back, but it got, it was in the machine. So it wasn't anything. Uh -huh. And Dennis was there. He watched the whole thing. Okay. And he was like, that's one of the first times I've ever seen that happen. Like, mm -hmm. at least it didn't fly back. Yeah. So the second time that happened was, uh, me and John were doing the radial arm saw for the bottom of the top. And, uh, like, uh, John was, like, he was showing me how to do it and talking me through it and being like, okay, here's what you want to do. He was showing me how to do it, so he was doing it. And then he let his hand off for a, se for a second, and then it just, it just... Whoosh. Oh, was that your tabletop? Yes. Oh, dang. Because 
because it really shocked John, you know? He was yeah. like, I couldn't believe it happened. I, he was really I my like, yeah. hand off just for a quick second. Yeah. It didn't hit anybody though, huh? No, it just it just hit the back of the wall and it just fell down. Then we had to get it. Man, that's a big piece to fly. Right? Yeah. That's a big piece. You know, I mean, you had, what is it, a 24-inch diameter? Yeah, so? it was like a 24-inch tabletop, yeah. Yeah. 24, maybe 25 inches. And then what we had to do was we had to cut an eighth of an, because of what happened, we had to cut an eighth of an inch off oh. of the entire thing. Oh. And I was thinking, oh, this is going to make it so much smaller. But then... Uh-huh. No, it, it it was hardly any effects. Oh, did you like take it back to the bandsaw to cut or what? Yeah, that's what we did. Oh, interesting. And then we okay. recut it on the yeah. on the uh, on the router. Okay. And I spent a lot of time. <laughs> Once Joe saw what happened, he was like, "Whoa!" He was like, "How'd you do that?" And then uh-huh. I was like, "I didn't do it. John did it." And John was like, yeah, I did it. And then he was like, whoa. <laughs> yeah, when I heard about it, I was like, whoa, too. <laughs> and uh, we, he helped me cut it. And then I had to spend a lot of time sanding over that spot. Mm. That was like the real rough spot that I had to work really hard on. And now, mm-hmm. uh I can't even notice it. Like, if I'm looking for it, I can't notice yeah. it. Good job, man. Is that, like, the edge or what? It was, like, yeah. It was the middle yeah. of... Not the middle of the bottom, but it was the edges of it. Yeah. It was on, like, the very right side. Uh-huh. And if I had it, I could show it to you. But, unfortunately, <laughs> I do not have it. But... Uh-huh. Yeah, uh, when, when uh, I try to look for it, I can't, yeah. I can't feel it. And I had the table upside yeah. down because I was working on the legs because they ended up getting real ashy. So I had to like, yeah. you know, kind of touch yeah. it up a little bit. And yeah. I was looking at the bottom of the top and I couldn't find that spot. You did? Like at all. <laughs> Good work. Good work. That's woodworking, man. You got it. You know what you're doing. So, uh, next question is, uh, well, actually, I understand that you have some questions for me, right? I might. I mean, if, you know, I had short answers or something, I can at least come back with questions. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Because, I mean, that's it. I only know you from those three days. Yeah, you know? that's true. We we haven't, like, we haven't done anything outside of that. Yeah. And so I thought, uh, and thanks for the invitation onto your show, because that gives me a chance to get to know you more. As, like, instead of just as a woodworker, as, like, a person. Right. So when I heard you had a podcast, I'm like, yeah, that guy seemed... You know, more interesting than the average, like, woodshop cat. 
right? Yeah. So, and to hear that you're going to you know Arizona for for film school and stuff, that's real cool. And I think if I had some questions, you've answered a, a few along the way, you know. So let me, okay. let me let me take a look. I wrote some over there. Let me see. Uh, let me see. Um, I think we've gone through all the questions on the notes that I have. <laughs> yeah. Um, when you're in woodshop at school, how many students are there? There's like maybe 24 students in the shop. Oh my goodness. Are you serious? Like in the, no, like in the class. Yeah. Uh, since we have the classes online because of the circumstances. Oh, sure. sure. So, sure. like, there's supposed to be 24 kids in the class, but not okay. everyone shows up. <laughs> so, normally, it's like the... <laughs> huh? It's if, like this... If it wasn't COVID, you know, if we weren't in COVID, were there, would there be, like, two dozen students in class? About that, yeah. Wow. Okay. Um, what would you say is like the common denominator? I mean, just in the experience we had, you know, getting to know you and uh, Alejandro and Ivan, you know, and all the other woodworkers in there, Joe, John, Dennis, uh, Castillo, like we're all different, right? Mm-hmm. Except for Woodshop, I don't know if we would hang out at all. Maybe, you know, catch a wrestling event or something. Mm -hmm. And but, uh, what Evan, would you say? Yeah. I'll continue. I didn't mean to cut you off. Continue. No, no problem. No problem. But what would you say is like our common denominator? Like the or, thing or that ties us all together? Yeah. Besides Woodshop? Yeah. Yeah. Um, or is woodworking the... Yeah, is woodworking the thing that ties us together? I think woodworking might be the thing. I mean, with Joan, it might be, like, visual visual effects and, like, how he does the stop-motion stuff and the drawing. And since I'm going to school to learn how to do special effects makeup, like the movie monsters and stuff, they could, like, blow their heads off and stuff like that, trying to make Frankenstein and stuff like that. So I yeah. think that's one thing that me and him might like click on, but I think the rest of the rest of us, well, Ev Evan, well, Evan, I've had him on the show mm -hmm. before. He was the, he was, believe it or not, he was the first uh, video podcast that I had done. Yeah. Because I could have had a video before, but I kind of didn't know what I was doing. Yeah. Because, you know, it was early, early days of the podcast. But yeah. still, uh, I've known Evan since sixth grade, maybe. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, like, we met each other in, I think, my AVID class for, like, college or something. Yeah. Yeah. And then, like, we talked about basketball. And, yeah. I mean, I don't really watch basketball that much anymore. Uh -huh. 
because you know games are never on but uh i still get like highlights and stuff and we both have the same favorite team and same favorite basketball player we all we both have that one player that uh yeah. we're gonna follow him where whatever team he goes to we're yeah. not necessarily a fan of that team but we're a fan of that player so right. like we'll support him wherever he goes who's that uh blake griffin Blake Griffin. I actually have his jersey uh, over here. Is he still with the Clippers? Uh, no, he's with the Brooklyn Nets this year. Oh, okay, okay, cool. Yeah, um, appreciate that, dude. Okay, is uh, would you say um, uh, Evan is um, a hands-on dude too? Yeah, yeah, Heavily. yeah. Yeah, I think that might be a common denominator. Oh right. yeah, that that might be for all of us that were like real hands on. Right, right. I think that's what got us in the woodshop in the first place. Yeah, that. I'm, I'm thinking right. that might be it too. Oh, okay. Okay, cool. So I, I was thinking of um some other questions. You know, can I can I try one on you? Yeah, go ahead. You're my guest, so fire away. Um. Okay, they might be like, like holy crap! We've already been going for fifty minutes. Oh really? Okay, yeah. here's a question. Here's a question because you're a senior in high school. I mean, you're about to graduate. You're about your life is about to commence, right? So um, it's easy to for me to think back at that time, you know, and how fast like time goes by, right? Mm. Like, have you ever have you ever heard like how right now what you're 17 or 18 18 yeah okay like you're gonna feel like 18 part of you for the rest of your life mm -hmm. like, even when you're 30 40 50 like you're still gonna like feel like that you kid. Still gonna feel like an 18 year old i don't know mm -hmm. if your dad your grandpa ever says that uh, i've never actually heard that i've heard that somewhat but I've never heard it phrased yeah. that way before. All right. All right. That's a little con context right there. Um, okay. So here's the question for you. General question. Do you think like over the course of time, like lifetime, that mm -hmm. people change? Do you think people change versus, versus, oh. versus they are who they are and they don't change? You know what I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. Well, if so, you're talking like that, it depends. It honestly, yeah. like 100% depends on the person. Okay. Like say if, like for me, if I'm going to use myself as an example, for me, okay. uh, say I've wanted to be a professional wrestler my entire life. Yeah. I kind of grew up watching wrestling around my mom when she was alive and my brothers and everything that I'll yeah. get into after we get, after we get done, because it, that'll go down a path. I don't want to go down on the okay. show yet, but okay. Okay. cool. anyway, uh, my mom, my mom, my grandma, everybody, huge wrestling fans. I'm wearing yes. a macho man shirt right now. Macho man, Randy Savage. Dude, yeah. I'm wearing a macho man I shirt right up. now. Oh, now that I see 
I grew up watching wrestling. So I totally appreciate your, uh, your aficionado, your, your fanaticism for it. Because, you know, me and my cousins, we would go to these shows, dude. And fucking, excuse me. We would really hey, you can you can curse. You can do it. Yeah, you're good. <laughs> um, Hulkamania was running wild back then. So you know, this top was top. like maybe 87? Yeah. Or because or, it was from 85 to about 89. Yeah, and then exactly. he left and then went to exactly. WCW in 1990. No, it was WWF. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Andre the Giant, the Iron Sheik, Sergeant Slaughter, Tito Santana, Jimmy, Jimmy Snooker. Yep. Ricky yeah. Steamboat. Uh, Ricky Steamboat. Yeah. WrestleMania 3, Macho Man Randy Savage, Ricky Steamboat for the Intercontinental title. One of the best matches in the history of the business. I might have seen it live. Really? I mean, not like not in person, but like on but TV. like on pay per view. The reason why my mom canceled cable when we were kids is because my brother was always putting me in wrestling moves. <laughs> I feel. <laughs> uh, speaking of that, I feel like yeah. every re- like that that's one phase every wrestling fan goes through. Okay. Like, like they go they go through the phase where they think it's a hundred percent real, where they don't know if I'm if I'm gonna use wrestling terminology, it's a work. Yeah. You know, okay, got you. Yeah. No, we so, thought it was real, man. Yeah. Like every wrestling fan goes through that phase where they think it's real and they like wrestle with each other in the backyard and like they put yep. each other in headlocks and like yep. and like the camel clutch and you know, stuff like that. Then yep. they they ended they end up having to go like chiropractor. Dude, like, that was yeah, exactly. That was me in first grade. <laughs> oh my goodness! <laughs> uh, you had older brothers. Yeah, I have three older brothers. Okay, that explains. Yeah, of course they're gonna try all kinds of stuff on you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So, um, do people change? Uh, well, it depends on the person because say like for me, the whole wrestling thing, I I wanted to be a wrestler since I was five years old. Uh, I see I'm 18 now. I'm still going to do it. So in that aspect, I haven't changed, but in certain other aspects, like say I used to never watch horror movies until like say about 2019 where i got like huge into it oh and that aspect i had changed because i remember it was a few years before i started like going deep dive into it yeah yeah i remember specifically telling my grandpa i will never like i will never like horror movies i'm never gonna like them i'll never watch them but Mm. now yeah I got a scream mask staring at me, so <laughs> that that kind of tells you how I've changed in that kind of you know perspective. Uh-huh. Okay, okay. So to answer so, that question, it um, all depends on the person. Yeah. And the situations. Right. So, like, um, fast forward ten, twenty, thirty years from now. Right? Like, what 
do you not want to have changed about yourself? Uh, do you want to keep my wrestling fandom, which I'm mm-hmm. I'm probably still going to keep by that because by that time I will hopefully be a wrestler. So that's probably never going to go away. Uh-huh. Uh, my love of movies and just film in general. And my love of like heavy metal music, I hope that never goes away. Yeah, yeah. Everything else can change. I'm good. Yeah. All as, as long as I keep those three fundamental things, I'm I'm good. Yeah. Wow. That's awesome. Hey, just because I know like we might be running out of time, if you had a time limit on it, I want to ask I, you another. You can go as long as you want. Okay. So. Um, a common denominator, another common denominator that I think I just picked up on. If you don't mind me asking, right? Go right ahead. Um, but maybe, okay, so uh, you mentioned that you, your mom has passed away. Mm-hmm. She passed away when I was seven years old. Yeah. Wow. Breast cancer. Oh, man. <laughs> oh, man. Sorry to hear that, man. In 10 years. It's all good. Oh, man. That's terrible. But, yeah, um, I know it sucks. <laughs> hey, my dad died when I was nine years old. Oh, that's that's you another see what thing. I mean? Yeah, like, I just picked up on on something, and and no one knows what it's like, right? Unless you've been there before, right? Right. Because, like, you never, you know, you don't want death to, in a lack of a better word, death to connect people like in a certain way to connect people but it does because it defines yeah it defines certain situations yeah think about it we're all gonna die we none of us are immortal no matter how much hulk hogan says he's immortal he's gonna (laughs) die soon right like it's death is inevitable it's one thing we can't we it's one thing that we cannot uh like try to avoid because right. you never because right. the green reaper is going to knock on your door one of these days we don't know yeah. when it's going to be hopefully not soon but it's yeah. gonna inevitably happen yeah no it helps us like kind of value Open, life yeah contemplate about it what's the meaning of it you know mm-hmm. um it was hard to talk just it was hard to talk i don't think i talked for like a year after my, my dad died it was um yeah after my mom died i <laughs> since i was so young i didn't know how to process it yeah so from what i was told i processed it by acting out like mm-hmm. severely acting out and because I, I, as far as I knew, my mom was gone and I did not know why. Yeah. So I was acting out severely where I was, you know, grounded for months at a time, but oh, wow. I didn't know how to, that was my way of processing it because I didn't know what was going on. Oh man. Understandable. Yeah. Yeah. And I was living I remember, with like, her mom at the time. Oh, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but no, not at all. No, not I at all. was living with her mom at the time, and I talked to her recently. Yeah, 
and she was like oh, that's how you did it and like we we punished you but we knew what was going on because of uh because you didn't know how to handle it we we thought it was okay that you acted out i mean it was not okay but it was okay because that was your way of trying to make sense of it all yeah anyway uh continue yeah i didn't mean to cut you off i don't be i don't want to be one of those podcast hosts no i appreciate what you have to say about it anytime you want to talk about it man uh let that be like common denominator number one right there Mm -hmm. you know i think for me woodchuck has allowed me to process some thoughts you know like getting into sanding how you say like okay once you're in once you're in that sanding phase you can really like start sorting things out like because you have a lot of time about to just think yeah yeah right yeah because it's such so, like a you don't really need to think about it type of motion where you don't right. need to be so alert to say when you're on the bandsaw you don't need to be like oh i'm gonna cut my hand off you're like no i'm not gonna sand my fingers down that's not gonna happen you can you know what right. i mean it's just sandpaper yeah, but I know too that because of you know your experience growing up and all, you have um, I don't want to say a higher value for life, but you've at least like considered life and death. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a lot of people don't, you know, at an early age, not until later in life, but not until they get like in their thirties. <laughs> right, it's almost as if you've not even like lived without that consideration of where it's always lingering in the back of my head right oh uh lost you for a second that's how it has been for me man that's been for me and that's why i did without bringing that up Mm -hmm. you know I think, yeah, I think it's important. And a huge way uh, for me to cope was because uh, me and her used to always watch wrestling together. Oh, really? It, yeah, we, yeah, yeah, yeah. One of her favorite, it was 2009. Yeah. Uh-huh. So that's why two th- the year 2009, for some reason, has always been one of my favorite years in just like professional wrestling history yeah because that was that was the year before uh everything happens yeah and that's when i had the most memories of when i was a little kid every every saturday we would go over to my grandma's house and like this is when vcrs were around i remember yeah (laughs) you had one you know what vcrs yeah okay okay speaking of uh I got a wrestling, like, VHS tape. Yep. WrestleMania, best of. I don't see what it says at the bottom. From one to... One to four? One to, one to XIV, which was... XIV. 14. Jeez. From oh. one to 14, yeah. Ah. Dude, that's awesome. And, like, she'd tape it, and then we'd watch... We'd watch uh, Raw... And we'd watch the wrestling from that week. 
and I remember specifically one time. Yeah. yeah. Uh, her favorite re- one of her favorite wrestlers was uh, was a man by the name uh-huh. of Jeff Hardy. Jeff Hardy. And um, he he's st- he's part of like a legendary tag team with his brother Matt. Uh-huh. And uh, he still wrestles to this day. Well, I think he's Jeff's out on an injury with his rotator cuff. But uh, it was 2009. He was in a steel cage match where Mm -hmm. if he lost, he'd have to leave the company. The plans were that he was going to leave the company already because his contract was coming up. Okay. And he didn't want to resign. Mm-hmm. So he lost the match. And I remember once he lost the match, mm-hmm. my mom was in shock. Oh. Yeah. She was like, oh. Uh-huh. Yeah. And then yeah. he gave that farewell speech. Uh-huh. Where he said, this, is, this isn't goodbye for now. Or this isn't goodbye forever. This is goodbye for now. Okay. And then that stood true for maybe... 12 or like maybe six or seven years it it stood true until 2017 when he finally came back but you know here or there but uh yeah there's that yeah and any other questions oh who's your favorite podcaster that is a hard I can give you like a top ten. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. I know favorite favorites are like stupid questions sometimes. So of course you can't sum it up in one, but give me like, some. I like I'm a huge uh I also grew up watching a lot of MMA. So I'm a huge MMA fan also. Okay. So in turn I'm a huge and I'm a huge like comedy fan of oh, like people so like Dave down. Chappelle and Joe yeah. Rogan. So and Joey Diaz guys. and people like that. Joey Diaz, so fun. Yeah. Joey Diaz is he's my man, dude. He's yeah, he's one of the funniest men on the planet. Same with Tom Segura, one of the funniest people I have ever seen. Yeah. So yeah. If I had to give you a top ten, it'd be Stone Cold Steve Austin, since he oh. has a he has a show. Edging uh-huh. Christian, since they had a show, Chris uh-huh. Jericho. Who I really hope I'm gonna wrestle, because he's fifty. Because <laughs> think about it, he's fifty years old, but he's doing some of the best work of his career right now. Really? Yeah. Okay. The man always knows how to reinvent himself. It's insane. Interesting. He's been okay. in the business for thirty years, and he he can still reinvent himself like that. What's his name? Chris Jericho. It sounds. Also- I'll send you a couple of like highlight reels or something. I'll, okay. I'll, I got you on that front. I got you. Okay, cool. Okay. Cool. And yeah. I consider myself a fountain of useless knowledge when it comes to wrestling, metal music, because I grew up listening to bands like Slayer and Metallica and Iron Maiden. And I went to Slayer's final show, actually. No way. Yeah. Whoa. It was, was insane. It? it was in it was in the form. It was at the form in Inglewood, California. Yeah. 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 But uh, okay, so back to the question, Jericho. 
Okay. Chris Van Vliet, who is a, I think he, yeah, he's a, he, he's a wrestling and film interviewer. He's a multi-time Emmy winner mm-hmm. for like podcasting and stuff. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna have to pull up my Google Podcasts. Um, uh, the, Eric Bischoff, Jim Cornette, uh, Joe Rogan is a is a top one, mm-hmm. and then Tom Segura has his own podcast. He's number two, mm-hmm. and same with Joey Diaz is number three. But I think that has to be like my top. Dang. Sounds like you know your podcast uh, industry pretty well. Yeah. It's a mixture of wrestling and comedy. Yeah. Right there. That's a pretty good school for you already, you know? So you're taking that with you into a more academic setting now. Um, But it seems like, man, I'm really impressed how you pursue your interests. Wrestling, podcasts, you know, horror show and all that. Woodworking. So last question, I guess. Um... Do you think you'll continue woodworking? Uh, whenever I get the chance, yeah. If something if something pops up that interests me and they're making something cool, I'll like totally go ahead and be like, "Yeah, sure, I'll do it." How long is it? If it's like three days, hell yeah, I've made a table in three days. I can do it again. <laughs> Would you set up your own workshop at home? Do you think that's part of your uh, future? Your mix? Uh. If I have, since I'm going to be very busy in the future, because mm-hmm. I'm going to dive headfirst into wrestling, and they're on the mm-hmm. road 300 days a year. Oh, yeah. So the schedule is pretty tough. Oh, wow. Yeah. And what they do yeah. is when they go home, they, like, they don't even, like, they get maybe three days off, right? Mm-hmm. So what they do is they wash their clothes, put it back in the suitcase, put that suitcase in the car and they just relax for two days because their mindset is they're always on the road always on the road so yeah if i have some recovery then yeah that's if they get injured or something like that yeah yeah but back to the question if i had the time since time's going to be a huge factor if i had the time i'd totally do it and if I had, like, the financial resources, I'd totally do it. Yeah. That's a tough one, huh? It's like an expensive uh, hobby, if if hobby is what it is. Yeah. Um, okay. So let me, uh, let, me, let me put all my best wishes, you know, um, toward your wrestling career. I won't be so concerned about your woodworking career, right? <laughs> so I want to make sure. Um, uh, I'm, uh, you know, sending, sending best, best wishes in the right direction. But, dude, love to hear how passionate you are, you know, about wrestling, uh, about connecting with people. And along the way, reach out, please. All right. Well, I guess this is where we're going to end the show. Uh, so uh plug your stuff and also like plug any social medias you have and also yeah. plug the maloof the maloof foundation if you want i'm yeah, pretty sure i'll have you on for a second episode so we can dive into everything like outside right. of woodworking 
like yeah. movies and music and wrestling and all that stuff. Yeah, that, that'll be on a future episode if you have the time and if you want to. Oh, sounds great. Sounds great. Well, actually, good point. The Maloof, because that's that's where we met. Um, yeah. If it wasn't for you the know Maloof, Sam and the Maloof, right. we wouldn't be having this conversation right now. <laughs> right. Like when I first heard about Sam Maloof, I was already you know woodworking. Mm. Uh, I was trying to figure out like how am I gonna make a living doing this because it's very difficult. It seems. And then someone told me about what Sam. I heard is very difficult. Yeah. Trying to sell a $2,000 chair. You know what I mean? Right. It's difficult to sell expensive furniture. <laughs> right. That's why today I was making a deck and not furniture. So I have to like balance things out that way. But um, what, um, what pleases me so much is that the Malou Foundation could attract and inspire you, you know, at 18 years old, you know. So oftentimes when I'm there, a lot of people who come through are, you know, older than me, retired. They're putting their retirement funds and time into their workshop. And sometimes I get a little concerned that, you know, the young people aren't getting into it. And like maybe it's just going to be a lost uh, a lost art, um, but to see that that three days really meant a lot to me. You know, uh, it was it only the second. To cool. It was only the second time it happened, and we got to like you know give uh, we got to acknowledge Roy Castillo for yeah. going through what he had Man. to go through to make it happen. Right. He he basically brought you guys to us. We didn't do much to to make it happen. It was just you know him pushing through and. And then Dennis applying his workshop into the time that you you guys could actually, you know, come to the Maloof. So uh, Mr. Castillo um, made it really easy for all of us to have this mm -hmm. wonderful experience, you know. Um, so that's my plug for the Maloof. Um, the MaloofFoundation.org. I think you'll find Maloof Foundation on the, on the IG as well. At Malou um, Foundation, I'm sure. I'm, yeah. I'm sure it's at Malou Foundation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they hired me just like a year ago. Three weeks into my hire, the pandemic, you know, broke loose. Pandemonium mm. was running wild, and uh, it felt like like it was too good to be true. Like I knew it. Mm. I, a job at the would happen. It was, just, it was just too good to be true. Well, what happened was I kept on working there like two days a week mm -hmm. for uh, the length of time that we've been shut down. And that gave me a chance to build up the, the barns, you know, mm -hmm. whatever, you know, cabinetry, shelving, um, anything, right? We mm -hmm. had some good tools. We just needed to, you know, make sure they were organized, right? So, um, that's what I do, man. I'm there one or two days a week, um, hopefully more in the future. And then at the same time, I have my own brand, Luz de Mano. You can find me on Instagram as well. And, you know, I like to make custom furniture, sometimes my own inspiration. Sometimes I get commissioned. Um, 
I do a line of uh, home decor products as well, like frames for records, frames for art, frames for photos. So those I make in small batches in between commissions. That's my way of like filling in time. Um, but keep in touch. You can, you can find me there. Lustamano. Instagram. Instagram, right? Yeah. 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 All right, cool. So ladies and gentlemen, this has been George from the Blue Foundation. He's slowly but surely becoming a good friend of mine. <laughs> so uh, I hope you enjoyed this episode and hopefully we'll have him on in the future. So uh, have me on. no problem. Just let me know if you ever want to come back. <laughs> oh, you got me, man. You got me. So all right, good luck. Call us for anything, anytime. All right. All right. See you guys later.